0: Hello and welcome to Stonebridge Community Church's online service. I am Pastor John, one of the pastors at Stonebridge Community Church, and we are grateful that you have connected with us through our online service, whether through YouTube or through the podcast. We are grateful that you are here worshiping with us. As I've been doing the last few weeks, though, I want to make sure and extend an invitation to you to come and join us in person for worship. Your safety is our priority. And we do everything we can to make sure that our worship services in person are as safe as possible in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, I do want to let everybody know there's going to be a change to the services, though, coming up here. We are going to be going to three services beginning on November 6th and 7th. So Saturday evening, due to the time change and due to the fact that it's going to be darker, that service is going to go indoors. And then on Sunday mornings at nine o'clock, we're gonna have another indoor service. And then at 1030 on Sundays will be our outdoor service. We are committed to having an outdoor service option for those who are not comfortable going indoors during this pandemic. And we understand that. So at the outdoor service, masks are optional if you're vaccinated. And at the indoor service, we do ask that people wear masks until the county lifts its mask mandate. So come and join us because church was meant to be done in person, an actual community with real human beings next to you. I'm grateful that we are connecting through the screens here, but church wasn't designed for screens. It was designed for real community. So come and join us when you are ready. Know that we are ready for you and that your safety, it is our priority. The way the online service works is we will have the word of God preached and then we'll have two songs and before the word of God is preached we'll have some announcements to let you know what's going on in our community. I do also want to say that coming in person I do throw in a few extra jokes here and there in person so if you want the funnier version you might just want to come in person um, it's really hard to say jokes here in a studio. So come and join us um, and God bless you and may you know that God loves you. May you experience God's grace, and may this time be a worship. May this time of worship be a time that pulls you closer to God. God bless you and enjoy worship.
1: Welcome to Stonebridge. Starting the first weekend in November, our Saturday night worship service will meet indoors. Sundays will now include a 9 a.m. service indoors. And for our 10.30 service, we will meet outdoors on the patio in between the chapel and the sanctuary kitchen. Please bring your own chair. There will be children's and youth programming at both the 5.30 and 9 a.m. service. Our new membership discernment class starts Sunday, October 31st. Join Pastors John and Jonathan for three informal and informative afternoons, where you can meet others who are on a similar spiritual journey as yours. Learn about Stonebridge's core beliefs and values, ask and find answers to your questions, and if you choose, become a member of our church family. Free childcare is available. To let us know you'll be attending, please visit our website or contact the church office. Mark your calendars for an all-church Halloween party. On Saturday, October 30th, come in costume to the 530 Worship Service And stay afterwards for hot dogs and churros, games, and of course, candy. If you would be interested in helping set up or run games for the event, contact Miss Stephanie. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you are following along in the Bible app, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. And once again, welcome to worship.
0: We are continuing our look at the book of Leviticus, doing this short little survey in three weeks of the book of Leviticus. And really, we can only get to the greatest of the greatest hits in Leviticus. So this week, we're looking at the beginning portion of Leviticus 16, And this is the greatest hit of Leviticus. In Leviticus 16, we get the instructions for what's been called the Day of Atonement, or in Hebrew, Yom Kippur. And this is where God and Moses' conversation continues. So I invite you to hear the Word of God as I read the beginning of Leviticus 16, verses 2 through 5. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron not to come just at any time into the sanctuary inside the curtain before the mercy seat that is upon the ark, or he will die. For I appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place, with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen tunic, and shall have the linen undergarments next to his body. Fasten the linen sash, and wear the linen turban. These are the holy vestments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Lord, through this ritual, through this this symbol, this symbolic ritual, and this actual ritual in the book of Leviticus, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. Through the instructions that were given to Moses and to Aaron, there on Mount Sinai, speak to us today clearly. Help us to understand how deep your grace runs within you. Speak to us now, for your servants are listening, Lord. We thank you, we praise you. We ask this in in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So, a ram and two male goats walk into the tabernacle. And the ram says to the goats, how's your day going? And the goats respond, it's felt okay so far, but we have a feeling it's gonna get bad. You get it? Because they're going to be sacrificed. It's actually a little dark when you think about it. But we are focused on the Day of Atonement. That's Leviticus 16 here. And in Leviticus 16, with the Day of Atonement, the ram and the two goats are so important for understanding what is happening here. What the reason that is behind this Day of Atonement that God institutes. Oftentimes, people have this impression that the God of the New Testament is a God of grace, but God in the Old Testament is depicted as wrathful or vindictive, or they don't see God's grace clearly. In reality, though, God's grace is at the center of who God is. In Leviticus 16, the outlining of the Day of Atonement, It is the clearest indication of God's grace that we have in the entire Old Testament, I believe. This chapter proves that at God's core is grace and forgiveness. You may be wondering, how in the world does a chapter that focuses on these very specific details about a ram and two goats and how they're going to be sacrificed, how is grace present here? Well, real quick, to explain that, we have to remember a few things about the sacrificial system in the book of Leviticus. Remember first that the sacrifice and the blood of the sacrifice, it represents life. And that though sin causes death, the gift of the life and the blood that has the life inside of it, that cleanses the world from the effects of sin and the pollution of sin. In the book of Leviticus, sin isn't just an action. It's it's an action or behavior that causes this kind of moldy pollution to dirty up God's home, the altar and the sanctuary. The sacrificial system was meant to cleanse the sanctuary and the altar from the dirtiness of sin. That would make it difficult for God to live with the people. And really at its core, the sacrificial system, it was all about retaining the presence of God. Having God live with the people of Israel. That's the whole purpose of the sacrificial system. So people would go and when they sinned, they would make a sacrifice. So that the altar would stay clean and God could still live there. And this was how Israel functioned, and this is how God lived with Israel. And this is how the whole arrangement worked. But one of the questions that arises here is: What happens in the worst-case scenario? What happens when people in the community, people who are part of the covenant, don't repent of their sins? What happens when they refuse? to participate in the sacrificial system. Keep in in mind what we've learned about Leviticus. No matter who does the sin, it's gonna dirty up the altar. If you're in the presence of God, you're the people of God, the altar and the sanctuary, they're going to become dirty. And if somebody doesn't clean that up, and if somebody doesn't atone for that sin, and if they're not repented, if they are a brazen sinner, then the altar is going to remain dirty And eventually God's presence is going to leave. So what was Israel supposed to do with this? That's what the Day of Atonement addresses. Through this ritual, that is what is being addressed here in the Day of Atonement. I started this off with that very, very cheesy and lame joke uh, with the ram and two male goats. But those are the key symbols here in this chapter. What is going to happen as this chapter progresses is that Aaron, and later the high priest, whoever is serving in the role of high priest, gets the instructions on how to handle the Day of Atonement. And Aaron, the high priest, they're going to wake up before the sun even rises. and They're going to begin this process. And what it comes down to is the ram is set aside to be offered to God, and that is the ram's fate. But for the two goats, they don't have the same fate between the two of them. God is going to choose through the process of lots, casting of lots, which one is going to go to Yahweh and be sacrificed, and which one is going to go out into the wilderness. Now remember, Leviticus is a book of ritual and a book of symbolism. So all of these rituals, they have values underlying them. The purpose of the structure of these sacrifices is to forgive all of the sins of Israel. All of those sins that weren't atoned for throughout the year. All of those sins that people were not repented of. All those sins that... People brazenly just said that I don't need to sacrifice anything. This is how God takes care of those. Because what happens is the goat that is going to be sent into the wilderness, Aaron or the high priest, confesses the sins of Israel over that goat. And essentially places the sins onto that goat. You may have heard the term scapegoat before. This is where that term comes from. But for us... Whereas a scapegoat usually takes punishment, the goat in Leviticus and the Day of Atonement, this scapegoat isn't actually killed. Instead, it's released into the wilderness. One of the ways that the nation of Israel and God through sacrificial system was dealing with sin was by banishing sin to the wilderness where it belonged. And this goat would carry those sins out into the wilderness. We don't really ever find out what happened with it there. But there the goat goes with all of the sins of Israel. So the actual sins are taken care of, that those are gone and those are forgiven. Since a human being can't repent of them, this goat carries them off. And then the other goat and the ram, they are sacrificed and their blood is spilled at the base of the altar and in the sanctuary to cleanse both of those from the effects of all of those unrepented sins. Through this process, God achieves forgiveness of sins of people who haven't even asked for forgiveness. Through this process, God cleanses the sanctuary, even though the people who have dirtied it up aren't repenting of their sins. Through this process, God remains present with Israel, even though there are people in the community, it is assumed, who have rebelled and who will not repent of their rebellion. This is a picture of grace. A community that is not deserving of God's presence still receives God's presence through the Day of Atonement. people who aren't even asking for forgiveness receive the benefits of forgiveness through the Day of Atonement. This is God's grace, and this is the key chapter in the book of Leviticus. Everything builds up to the Day of Atonement, and then everything after this is responding to the Day of Atonement. And since Leviticus is the central book in the Pentateuch, the Day of Atonement Is really at the center of the law. God's grace is there at the center of the law. We might think that God's grace doesn't come through clearly in certain scripture passages, but God's grace is core to the character of the God of the Bible. So God's grace is always going to be there eventually. If we dig and we dig, we're going to see God's grace clearly. But what's so interesting to me about Leviticus 16 is we don't have to actually dig very deep at all. It's right there on the surface. God's grace is right there in front of us here. So you could understand, though, that Israel would have some anxiety about unrepentant sinners. Because for them, the very presence of God is what is at stake there. God living with the people of Israel, that's what is at stake here. So for those who are practicing the sacrificial system, this Day of Atonement, it had to be such a deep relief. Because they knew, even if their neighbor wasn't repenting of sin, the Day of Atonement would take care of it, and God wouldn't leave. As long as the high priest follows these instructions. God is still going to be present. It's a beautiful picture of God's grace. But this Day of Atonement, the way God addressed these sins of the people that were unrepented for, it should challenge us a little bit. Because we all have in our minds and in our lives, people, ideas of people, People that pop up in our heads that we know are not repentant of their sins. We all have groups of people that we would label, whether we, we may not use that language, but we would label them as unrepentant sinners. And Christians often talk about the sinners as though that's a separate group and how we can't accept unrepented sin. And if people don't agree with our idea of what sin is, and they don't think they've sinned, some anxiety can build there. The Day of Atonement, though, it addresses that. One of the questions we should all be asking ourselves is, how do we respond to unrepentant sinners? As Christians, to people who don't even acknowledge their own rebellion from God, how do we respond? How should we respond? And as I'm saying this, I imagine that there's people who are popping up in your mind Whether it's people you're close to, whether it's family members, friends, whether it's people you consider enemies or opponents, but people are popping up in your mind that you would realize or you would think they don't even realize how sinful they are. How are we supposed to respond to those people? In light of what we see here in Leviticus 16. I think before we answer that question, we have to turn to the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, it's a letter in the New Testament, the writer of the book of Hebrews actually replaces Jesus with the sacrifices. The, the ram, the animals that are sacrifices, the, the goat. The writer of Hebrews says, actually, Jesus is in that place. And if the blood of those sacrifices was able to accomplish that forgiveness of sins, how much more can Jesus's blood do? Realize that by placing Jesus in that picture of the sacrifice and that language of Jesus being the Lamb of God and all that language about Jesus being the sacrifice, what that means is that Jesus also died for unrepentant sinners. That the benefits that we experience of God is also there for them to take as well. Jesus basically fulfills what the Day of Atonement accomplished, but in a more permanent way. And when we think about the cross, we can think about what the Day of Atonement accomplished and realize that what Jesus did, it magnified this day. It took the Day of Atonement, it expanded it, and it spread it to the entire world. It was so much greater than what those sacrifices of the ram and the two goats could accomplish, what Jesus did. And it's in light of that that we should ask ourselves, how do we respond to unrepentant sinners? I think there's really only one answer to that question. We respond by extending the grace of God to them. We respond by doing as Jesus commanded us, by praying for our enemies. We respond by showing them the love of God as it's been shown to us. Now I want to be very clear here though and very careful. When I say extending grace, and when we talk about forgiveness in general, I'm not saying that we should let abusive people continue to abuse us. Grace doesn't mean you abandon all boundaries. We still live in a fallen world where we have to have appropriate boundaries with people who might cause harm. So don't get the picture here. of somebody who is not repentant of a sin that is causing harm we don't just say that's fine we don't just let them continue to cause harm but we respond first and foremost with grace recognizing that God loves that person that God cares about that person and our response while having appropriate boundaries it has to be rooted in God's grace also we can't just be vindictive We can't just try to get back. We can't just try to silence opponents, silence enemies. We can't just act as though they aren't truly human beings, that they weren't really made in the image of God. We extend God's grace, recognizing that Jesus' sacrifice has accomplished whatever needs to be accomplished when it comes to sin. The Day of Atonement is a clear picture of God's grace. And when Hebrews puts Jesus in the context of these sacrifices, we can recognize that God's grace runs consistently from the beginning of the Bible, right there at the center of the law, to the very end of the Bible. When God dwells with the people of God in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven, in the new earth. God's grace is the most consistent character trait of God throughout Scripture. So, if you have someone in your life that hasn't repented of sin, model God's grace for them. Show God's grace to them. If you have sin that you're carrying around, that you just haven't been able to let go of, recognize that through Jesus' sacrifice, it was already cleansed. The effects of sin were already cleansed. Let go of it and embrace God's grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
2: This we know, this we know. You promise never to forsake what you began, you will sustain. This we know, this we know. If we know Rescue begin. Come find your mercy. Oh, sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. No, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lay down. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who stray, come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary and rest that endures, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. that heaven can
0: God's grace is at the center of God's being. May you experience that grace, and may you extend that grace to others. And as you go forth, may you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace, friends. Amen.